Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Sano, joined, as always, by the horde to my glass. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I feel many a different way. And our very own overseer. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Oh, man. I don't think I know the reference, but woo, great, because I am apparently so, seeing it all. You'll, you'll, <laughs> you, you, you couldn't figure it out from the first two, the first two parts? Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I'm not exactly sure. You know. Okay, in the in the in the third movie, they start calling the the unbreakable guy the the overseer. The really? Overseer. Yeah, oh. yeah. Then just um, wait, wait. What was the what was the other in the beginning of the movie? They make a joke that it's like Tiptoe Man or something. He's got some other stupid name that that. Uh, then he, and then Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, who I will say is maximum collecting a paycheck in that movie, goes, "Don't you ever bring up the Tiptoe Man again." <laughs> In like the stupidest Bruce Willis voice. So. Uh, just collecting a paycheck, also known as what he's been doing the last two decades. So long. So much, pay- so many paychecks collected, though. Good for him. All right. So uh, there were many Seahawks stories this week. Actually, there was one. It was a big one. It was Richard Sherman. So um, uh, we, we don't want to do too many hot takes on this one. I think that most things you said, but I will say this. One thing I said in the Discord that I think... Um, really rings true for me is that in situations like this do not jump to conclusions uh just just wait as long as you possibly can to make any kind of uh uh call on it because you never know uh you just never know like what exactly what what's when the full information comes out everything can kind of change right so now that we've seen kind of a fuller picture of what's happening. Uh, Kevin, what's, what's a, what are your, what are your thoughts on the whole Richard Sherman situation? Uh, Well, number one, just kind of back your point. uh, The number of people who immediately came out and had a very, very strong opinion within the first hour of things breaking. um, There were a lot of things said that people should have just been quiet for like 12 more hours. So uh, just, just kind of putting a punctuation on what you said when news breaks, just be quiet for like 12 hours and see what's up and at the end of all of it uh you know hope richard and everyone else is doing okay um hope sherm gets some help if that's what he needs right now and not really a whole lot else to say about it yeah uh eric do you do you i think what do you do you think this uh this obviously goes beyond football but do you think that the the stress of free agency is is weighing on him or anything or what do you what do you do you do you want? Uh, is there? Do you have any like uh, thoughts on on kind of what's what might be going through center now, or like because this uh, is a guy who seems real level headed, right? Who seems really uh, like put together. His his public persona is so so polished. It's kind of it's kind of crazy that that this is the guy that this happened to, right? Uh, it seems that way. But uh, speaking as a person who uh, you know has suffered through anxiety, who's had a lot of panic attacks. I mean, you guys have known me for a while. Um, there's the facade you put out there and then there's the stuff you're really going through just like Mm -hmm. everyone else out there. And, uh, one thing that I, I felt I took a little, um, made me kind of smile is when the phone call from his wife, she said, uh, you know, all the things that he's doing. And she said, he's acting belligerent. I was like, okay, so it's just, it's, it's on par for Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman is either cool and collected or he is comes off as you know pretty truculent pretty belligerent and uh, i don't know what he's going through but this is a guy who obviously has more going on than we're seeing it's a lot of private stuff and um i'm i'm really proud that 
his statement after the the initial hearing was that he was you know going getting help with his family and going through this it wasn't it wasn't a richard sherman response we've seen it was a it was a lot more humble and richard sherman i mean as soon as he goes to san francisco john schneider helped him you know get the most of what he could out of that contract and he immediately starts bad mouthing seattle bad mouthing russell wilson and it's not as because oh we're the best in san francisco it's because you know, he just wanted to throw shade. And that's that's not a, a guy who has everything together and as calm as you think he is. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that he's it looks like he is on his way to a very good rebound. At least that's what I'm hoping and rooting for. All right. Now Stellar we all, use of truculent. We oh, all you. know we all know that uh no one loves a redemption arc more than our coach. And the biggest sign is the Blair Walsh signing, right? That's the biggest <laughs> sign that no one wants a redemption arc more than our our man Pete Carroll. Uh, is is this make it more likely that Richard Sherman's going to have a redemption arc with the Seahawks now that like Pete might feel like he needs to you know bring bring him in and you know give him some uh, some support or whatever? Do, is it is it because I have a feeling the chances of us signing him went up when this happened. I right I now. agree with you there. So do I, but because the <laughs> price tag dropped by like three million. I think that's the more deciding that, factor on that. That could be it. I also think there's, this is going to sound really weird and maybe a little off, but I think this is maybe a way for Pete to sell it to Russ. And this is, don't forget, this is the summer of selling everything to Russ. Hey, Russ, I, I'm thinking about getting dessert with my meal. How do you feel about it? Are you okay with that? Um, and I feel like this is something that Pete can say, like, hey, this this is a guy you can you can be there for and you know, help <laughs> yeah. him through this. And Russell, Russ's ego will eat that up can be a leader of men right like give, give him that that line wait right. does this get cam a permanent coaching job because if so now i am as all in as humanly possible no kidding all right i made i wrote down four full nfl stories because that was the only seahawks uh lead story that i had so here we go oh man yes. i did all this kraken expansion draft prep i thought we were gonna take it no. to the kraken slayer me, me no. too kevin me too no no you guys are crackheads and uh 20, leagues under the sea the kraken podcast did it they, did they uh when do they start actually picking tomorrow morning uh tomorrow it's, 5 it gets announced tomorrow there'll be some there might be some leaks but yeah 5 p.m pacific okay so and they, i will say that i posted a there's a guy on uh that does really good hockey analytics that i thought had a really cool like tool but it is patreon exclusive but it also shows you like um like how good you the players are you're picking and stuff is. And I don't know. It was kind of cool. Anyway, um, ESPN has agreed to a partnership with Peyton Manning and his production company. Do you guys know his name of his production company? Who we, the chicken Hoo-wee Parm production. Omaha <laughs> productions. That's right. I oh, knew it was no. some like super Manning. Really? For the next oh, yeah. three seasons, they will do 10 Monday night football megacasts per season on ESPN two, where the announcers will be Peyton and Eli Manning. Okay. On a scale I'm in of favor one, of this big on a scale of one to 10. <laughs> 10 being like the best thing that could have possibly happened for, for football broadcasting, one being the worst. Uh, can you just explain why this is a 10? Because it's so good. It's All the right. best. Number one, both of them are legitimately interesting people. Number two, I think anything that adds variety to your options for the broadcast that you can watch is a good thing. If you have had a chance to watch, um, there's a special broadcast they do of the uh, college football national championship game where they will have like three college football head coaches come in and like uh and broadcast the game and talk about it it is fascinating every single time 
So uh, this is an awesome way of doing it because they've been wanting to get Peyton Manning in the booth. He's got offers from everybody to get in the booth since he retired. And, and this so really if this is the way to do it, that's really awesome. Getting, getting him in the booth either. Like they're they're calling right. it they're calling it a Monday Night Football mega cast, which makes me feel like it's just going to be like Peyton and Eli sitting on a on a couch watching. But you <laughs> know he's going to be talking through it. He's going to be like breaking down what's going on in the plays. It's like I just I think this is going to be really good. I think it's going to be a really fun, interesting watch. Are you saying they kind of tricked him into into a like Jedi <laughs> no, mind tricked? I think it was more like he went, I don't want to have to deal with all of the extra BS. So instead of going in the booth, um, I will yeah. just do all of these things and you can make the contract say that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Eric, do you, are you excited for the Peyton and Eli Manning cast? I'm I'm more than excited because how's this tagline work for you? If you thought Eli was good at football, wait till you hear him in the booth. Hey, Eli's Eli's episode. Didn't Eli do an episode of Saturday Night Live too? And wasn't it pretty good? Like, yeah, there was some sketches. It's yeah, of course it was good. It's ten it's episodes. Yeah, I feel like over under twelve instances of Eli Manning face. Another thing about Eli and Peyton—they're both two-time Super Bowl champions. And I looked into that a little bit. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to read about their Super Bowl wins. You know, did you know that <laughs> Super Bowl forty-one, the the where the Colts beat the Bears, was the last time a three seed has made the Super Bowl? Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so also, I believe his Super Bowl win four, um, with the no fly zone Denver offense. Mm-hmm. It was his worst. Uh, it, it was his, uh, Peyton Manning's worst quarterback game that he finished since his rookie year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he he, uh, <laughs> he was. He didn't need to be good that crap in that game. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go to our second NFL story. You ready? Uh, it was. It's an old story, Jackson. Jaguars mascot Jackson DeVille once brought out a life-size doll of Steelers quarterback Cordell Stewart, stomped on it in front of the Steelers bench during a timeout, then wiped his armpits with a terrible towel. That led to the NFL to prohibit mascots from taunting teams or being on the field during games. And my question to you, Eric, is why has Blitz never done anything this cool? Well, Blitz, we all know, is a very vanilla mascot. Uh, it's a guy who doesn't know his identity. Look how many looks Blitz has gone through. It's very quite really sad. I wonder where someone got a Cordell Stewart life-size doll. Was it like a wrestling buddy? Uh, I don't know. That's unex- unexplained, but I'm, I'm going to guess it's like a body FG. pillow. That's, a that's body, the body news pillow. that I care about. Yeah, <laughs> Cordell Stewart body pillow <laughs> straight from Japan. I, I just like how old this story is. Like I, like uh, Jacksonville, you know, you don't think about like those early Jacksonville teams, but this must have been like Jacksonville year three or something. Like this must have been a long time ago. Who, their first quarterback was a uh, Kevin favorite, Mark Brunel. I know, I know that that's one of your one of your dudes, Kevin. Like, that's one of my guys. guys yeah. yeah, and uh, man, Jackson Deville. Just have you seen what Jackson Deville looks like? Yep, he's very bottom heavy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe the term you're looking for. The kids are calling it thick these yeah, days he's, he's he's thick for sure uh, he's not like C's. he's not like blitz where they tried to make him look like a like a buff guy in a anthropomorphic hawk head do you do you guys like blitz i'm just let's just let's just get this not out there, one bit i want the mascot to be ridiculous like squatch or i want it to be super cute like the original squeak screech of the washington capitals okay so really strong opinion um the uh, mascot game in the Pacific Northwest has been pretty solid. I think that Squatch is amazing. Thank you. Um, that's my gold standard for uh, mascots. Um, that being said, I actually like live mascots if you can do it right. So I uh, like you, you like know, the Seahawks third mascot, Tama. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> there's the three mascots. There's three mascots. Did you know that? There's a second uh, mascot, Boom. Have you seen Boom? There's Boom. He's little. I and forget adorable. that Boom exists. 
Boom Boom is like uh Boom like photobomb me at uh the training camp one year. <laughs> Boom's like a teenager. It's like he's like, come on, get dad. He, Boom would carry a skateboard. Like So he like, is the scrappy do of the uh hundred percent correct. Okay. Correct. Yep, that's well, factually correct. We all know how everyone feels about scrappy do. All right. Uh Schechter says this offseason, the Packers offered Aaron Rodgers a two year contract extension that would have tied him to Green Bay for five more seasons and made him the highest paid quarterback and player in all of football. Rodgers declined the offer. Is there any way Rodgers takes another snap for the Green Bay Packers? Breaking news, Aaron Rodgers is incredibly petty. I Apparently, people didn't know that somehow. <laughs> and this has now led to people thinking, for some reason, he's not going to be incredibly petty about this, too. This is the division we're doing today, so this will probably be talked about more. But like, so we won't go into like specifically how much worse the Packers will be without Aaron Rodgers. But man, that is that is one hell of a blow, right, Eric? I think he's That's playing for nuts. Them, I I don't see that how there's any way he doesn't play for them, just because it's Aaron Rodgers. He will play for him. There's there's been, Green Bay has come out and said there's no way we're trading him. So it's he, kind of died. But, does he do the Cam Chancellor where he doesn't come back to like week? 11 or whatever and they make him do 10 weeks with Blake Bortles that's the thing he has so much <laughs> money oh that would be so good he has so much money and he's that as Kevin said he's super petty and his why, wife is wealthy too like back? he doesn't his new wife his well, their fiance right but she is also very wealthy she doesn't she they could just live off her salary he does not I need to no make idea. One, one dime yeah, he's, he's what uh, team does she engaged play for? to Shailene Woodley oh uh, yes uh, the actress so yeah there he is um yeah, they, I think he, he's he was well earned the willing to just cut his whole family off over uh, something that I probably would have figured out a way to work through with even just like a like a like an acquaintance. You know what I mean? Like I would have tried to figure it out. The way your to make it work. your brother like, didn't badmouth you on The Bachelor, Nathan. Yeah, well, and he was just like, you guys are dead to me, which is like, cool. I mean, I wish I had that level of pettiness in my heart. Like I'm a little <laughs> bit jealous uh, to just so, like cut everyone out of my life if they just like start to piss me off. Real quick so, thing. Um, so Shailene Woodley, I. Uh, so th- this is one of those weird things where you feel like the age difference between Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley is a lot bigger than it is because he's in his mid thirties and she's 29. Um, but because uh, actors and actresses play teenagers until they're like in their mid twenties yeah, in your head, exactly. she's like 19. And then because quarterbacks become officially ancient when they're 35, um, he he's like a grandpa in your head. And so this, it seems like it's way more than like a six year gap. Cause is, like, when they said he's dating Shailene Woodley, I'm like, his his son is or he is cause... yeah but they're this like is... actually like six years apart it's not yeah, the exactly. best really really moment ever because kevin <laughs> literally just described everything going in my head in real time that was, that was he's amazing. like shailene woodley the one from that teenager movie yeah, I was like, she's super young and i don't think she's a good actor and no, she's gonna yeah, turn she, 30 was, she was in the uh the divergent insurgent allegiant movies the last Stars. one was like in 2016 Movie. And she's um, playing like a 15 year old. So, and like and they, they make 25. her look like a 15 year old. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, last one. Uh, on Twitter, there was some criticism of Lamar Jackson because he was playing, he showed up at a park to just play games with, with random fans. Did you guys see this? I did not. No. It was pretty, it was pretty awesome. People got on him about it. Like, oh, you shouldn't Why? be doing that. You might get hurt. Oh, Marcus God. Valdez, Marcus Valdez Scantling, though, came, came to his back. He says, because he wants to go back and be the guy he never saw in his neighborhood when he was a kid, he wants to change a kid's life. Bigger than chasing a check when you're a genuine person cares about the youth. I just want to do this because I love Lamar Jackson and I, any opportunity to have to blow him up, I will do it. 
<laughs> like w- wearing sunglasses on the sidelines, playing football with kids in the park, like just being the coolest person. Uh, Lamar Jackson is is really cool to me. So I'm just I'm, I'm here to that. support. If you're the kind of person who would get down on a quarterback for going and playing football in a park, I would, like what do you think's happening? Like nobody's hitting him. You, you think he's like taking off head. and running at full speed? He could do a light jog and outrun every single person at that entire park. And like that, this is <laughs> another thing too is uh, you guys can confirm this. In our, I love Lamar Jackson, and in our fantasy football league last year, I way over, I overpaid for him. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, I'm having, I'm having Lamar Jackson because I just like having, <laughs> I just like Lamar Jackson. I don't care, and uh, and uh, it didn't work out so good at the beginning of the year, but then the year he last like six weeks, he crushed it. So uh, my love for Lamar Jackson has so it all no came balance. back. Yeah, has no bounds. All right, let's get into it. This week we're talking about the NFC Norse division, as Kevin would like to to, to, to say. So Norse division. Hey, you, you want to hear another fun fact? <clears throat> two of these teams in this division had the same record two years in a row. I didn't have to change it from the spreadsheet from last year. That's pretty crazy, right? All right, that's uh, well. In one case, that's a little sad, actually. It's a little. It's a little weird. Well, no, they're both. Both the teams are good. They were the eight and eight Bears and the thirteen and three Packers. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of something the, else. It was the playoffs. It was the playoff squads. Uh, okay, in my head, I was thinking the Lions went five and eleven two years in a row. Nope, they went three and thirteen the previous year. So ah, improvement. Slight, Never mind. Slight, slight improvement. Uh, okay, the Bears. They went eight and eight last year. They added Andy Dalton, Desmond Trufant, Demare Bird, Elijah Wilkinson. Uh, they lost Mitchell Trubisky, Kyle Long, Brent Urban. They drafted Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borm. Seahawks connection. Now, I could go with Jermaine Effetti. That's the layup, right? Everyone knows about Jermaine Effetti. He's their starting right guard. But they also have Seahawks special teams legend, Austin Calitro. That's right. There he is. All right, nice. Eric, guy. Eric, what do you think also, about the Bears? <laughs> go ahead, Kevin. Finish. Go ahead. What were you going to say about Austin Calitro? No, by all means, go ahead. It's fine. Preseason okay, legend. Austin <laughs> uh, the, the Eric Ronnebeck quote of, I, I couldn't remember that guy's name. Okay, uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, let's just look over what the Chicago Bears have. The Chicago Bears drafted a quarterback of the future. We all know how quarterbacks of the future go. They definitely wait a whole year or two like Aaron Rodgers. No, they usually play in the first year. Andy Dalton is an upgrade over... Oh, uh, do, yes. Do you, I have a question for you because I think that you have a, a still have a strong opinion on this. Do you think it's weird that Im- immediately their coach buried him to third on the depth chart and has left him there the entire OTA so far? I think it's like, a really smart thing to do because he probably doesn't want to play him. I think they want to ride with Andy Dalton all year, but ugh. I I think you're going to see <laughs> Fields. I think you're going to see oh. Fields around the ten game mark, not the five game mark, like other Nathan. People. You are giving up an opportunity for perfect conspiracy, Nathan, which is everyone's favorite version of Nathan. The uh, Nagy and the GM are going to start Dalton all year. That way they get an extra year of not being fired because they're like, you got to see this offense once Fields is yes. ready, though. So oh you're going to have to keep us on board for 2022 because that's that's the year of the Fields. It's the Fields so, of Dreams. It's yeah, so it's, dreams. it's so gross how... I just found my fantasy football team name for 2022, by the way. How... uh. How like they just the Bears? They should have fired Nagy before this year. To be honest with you, they screwed <laughs> that up. And now, if they Fields does play Pace before they fire Nagy, if Fields does play and balls out, like they're they're just gonna um I don't know. Anyway, go go ahead, Eric. Continue your your uh, your your Bears point. I just thought I didn't. I just knew you'd have an opinion on that. No, so I do. Like yeah, that. you're right. So Justin Fields, uh, it's a young quarterback. I think you'll probably see him around week ten or eleven. They drafted him. They drafted a couple offensive linemen. They are clearly building towards the future. Can they just hold on to try and tank as much as possible and get to seven or maybe eight wins? I feel like with Andy Dalton, 
they're better with than they were with Trubisky. So you have to go more than eight wins. Justin Fields, I think, can maybe tip them. And then the story you just told me where you put a huge seed of doubt in my head, and I had an alt ready for this, like, what if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play? Which now I'm like, oh, if he turned down that contract, I didn't know that. Maybe he really isn't going to play this year. Maybe they have to deal him to Denver or Jacksonville or Seattle. Who knows? Not Jackson, not Jacksonville, no. man. They, they, it'd be weird if they trade. QB swap we'll give, with Bortles. We'll you give you never a, know. We'll give you Aaron Rodgers for Justin Lawrence. If the Jaguars said yes to that, then they should fire at every single person. They sure as hell are not trading, them, trading him to Detroit. So with that, <laughs> I'm going to go with a very brave 10-7 and 7 prediction from oh. the Chicago Bears. Um, so... I'm like kind of right there with you is that they're kind of around where they were last year, right? If in the, at the beginning of their schedule starts off, I think pretty easy. They got home Bengals, home Lions, at Raiders, home Packers, which I'm assuming there will be no Aaron Rodgers at this point. Like I really feel like they broke it, but they, their schedule gets tough fast. Uh, Buccaneers, 49ers, Seahawks, Vikings. Uh, I, I don't like love and they had to play Vikings two times at the end of the season. And I, you'll hear this in a minute. I kind of like the Vike, what the Vikings did this off season. So I agree. They, they, that you have to like put them a little bit ahead because they are getting slightly better at quarterback. But uh, I think they're just, they're not going to play fields enough. It's like you said, they're just going to hold him back for too long. And then he's going to come in and not be like acclimated. I'm at nine and eight, you know, good, good, but not great. You know, they're, they're on their fringe playoff contender, but the, I feel like the NFC is pretty strong this year. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to call them kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about the Bears? Uh, I think they're a really interesting team. They've been um, a decent team for the last couple of years, and I do think they have an upgraded quarterback. I think Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than Mitchell or Mitch Trubisky, um, either one. I think that there, you can make an argument he's better than Foles as well. And I think spending the franchise tag to be able to um, keep Allen Robinson as a top wide receiver and kind of anchor that uh, core well, Darnell Mooney's kind of stepping up where you think he might be able to be a piece. I think that was a really good choice. Tevin Jenkins comes in and adds to their offensive line. I don't like that they lost Charles Leno, though. It would have been kind of nice if they'd have kept uh, Leno and had Jenkins start on the right side. There have been a few moves like that that are kind of, um, we'll use the word interesting. Uh, like they, they brought in a lot of running back depth. I'm not really sure how I feel about that. And uh, they also lost a lot of quality players in their secondary, which is always a concern because having a secondary that plays together over multiple seasons is a big deal. I will say I'm a little disappointed um, when you said that you're going a little bit deeper for your Seahawks connection. I thought you were going with former Seahawks quarterback coach Bill Lazor is their uh, offensive wow. coordinator. Is their OC, yeah, but yeah. I don't, I don't like Bill Lazor. I didn't want to bring him up. <laughs> I, I don't like. So, I don't really particularly uh, care for him either. Anyway, but I just thought that was yeah, funny. Let's, um, so I think your, they need some upgrades on their team. Record? I think they're ten and seven. Ten and seven, also okay. So yeah. we're all in the, we're all in the same range here. Uh, Lions, Detroit Lions went five and eleven last year. They added Jared Goff, Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perryman, Jamal Williams. They lost Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Ode Abushi. Uh, they drafted Penny Sewell, Levi Onwuzurike, and Aleem McNeil. Seahawks connection, they signed Seahawks criminal Quentin Dunbar. Kevin, where, where, where's... Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Kevin, what do you think about the Lions this year? You know, I think that uh, signing Quentin Dunbar fits perfectly in with Dan Campbell and what he had to say. Uh, it could be it could be a steal of a deal. Could they, be got, a... they got Corn Elder, too, to play cornerback. Don't leave him out. 
They got Don't leave out Corn Elder. The Corn are back. That's right. One thing um, that's weird, Kevin, would you agree? Okay, Jeff Okuda. Uh, you scouted him a lot. I, I, I yep. wrote down a couple specific questions I want to ask you guys about these teams that I thought you would be you guys would be ready for. So Jeff Akuda, uh, he, he when you scouted him, what did you think of his talent level as a cornerback? I thought he had a lot of physical tools, could do exactly what you wanted to see in an NFL cornerback, and I felt like he was going to be a quality player coming into the league. Why was he so bad last year? What because what was their defensive scheme was garbage okay so do you think that there could be improvement there with dan campbell and aaron glenn coming in i think uh, there's almost the- assuredly improvement even just in an average scheme plus last year rookie cornerbacks in general struggled more than they normally do and honestly relying on a rookie cornerback is usually a failing endeavor but especially last season because of the abbreviated offseason because of less live reps because of changes in the way practices worked and everything else, you're talking about a massive problem for corners coming into the league. A lot of rookie corners got torched. It looked terrible for them. And so I could see Jeff Akuda taking the normal leap you see in a second-year cornerback. And if you think about Seahawks cornerbacks of the past, in year two, usually you see a bump, right? So you're, you're going to see the natural bump, but I think it could be exaggerated this year for some of the quality rookies last year that were held down by circumstances. So uh, while I see him probably playing better in general, I just there's not a lot on this roster like they're like their receivers are terrible. Um, They lost not only Kenny Galladay, but also R&B legend Marvin Jones. Like that's that's not a very good like their their best wide receiver might be Amon Ross A. Brown. Yeah. So that's not good. No, it's not good. Um, Did you say a record? Sorry, I was. Uh, I have them at three and fourteen. So I think here, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Here's the thing for me, okay, is that I like the moves they made this offseason. I actually think that the their draft was really good. They made a lot of building moves. for the future. They, they have like a they have the nice bones of a team, but I don't think it's gonna show up this season mostly because of Jared Goff. This team is a quarterback away, and they are going to try to lose so that they can get their quarterback next year. It's a team that that probably is aware of their situation. They know where they are in their kind of uh, development curve, and next year is their year where they're going to make the leap, right? So this year, uh, I expect them to get bad, real bad, like number one seed bad, like number one pick bad, two and 15 for the Detroit Lions for me. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Yeah, this, uh, don't forget they have a new kicker, guys. That's the, <laughs> that's the only other guy. Lost the legend, Matt Prater. Yeah, Matt Prater. He was a kicking legend. To lose Stafford and Galladay, this team was just treading water. I love that they've tanked, and hopefully they're building for the future. I wanted to have like this idea that... Real quick, since oh, you brought yeah, it up. Sure. Just so you know. They aren't going to leave you hanging. They brought in the crafty veteran Randy Bullock to kick, so it's not like they're going with a rookie. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's funny that the Jared Goff is going to be their quarterback, and I was looking for something for from him, like maybe six wins. But yeah, I also had them at three wins because look at their schedule. You can circle the wins right on their schedule. Ke- uh, Nathan earlier said that the the Bears, you know, their schedule got tough after a while. The Lions' yeah. schedule starts out tough from the beginning. I mean, they have the Bears and the Bengals. Those are those wins? I don't think they are. Yeah, so they start off the season at 49ers. It's probably at L. Then they got the Packers. At, they're going on the road to the Packers. That's a tough one. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, that's a winnable game, but not a great one. I think at, it's an L until Halloween. A home for Ravens. Uh, at Bears. At Vikings. Home for Bengals. Like, yeah, they might not. 
they might go into a week eight against the Eagles. Oh, and seven, they're going like, to win two in a row when they go to Pennsylvania. Uh, and then, so yeah, I have them actually picking up a win against the Packers in week two, but I totally understand what you're saying. Like, this is a, it's a brutal schedule because one that to play the NFC West, which as we well know is a bloodbath. It's a very good division. Uh, and then they have to play uh, the, the Broncos as their pickup game, which is not good because Broncos are actually in, really improving and they got to play Falcons who I think are better than people think Eagles is like the only game they they caught a break on uh right that's play the Ravens like the, it's yeah, a, the Steelers right after the Eagles that Ravens, might be their back-to-back wins AFC North is like pretty pretty solid too I would say that's the AFC division I like the best top to bottom right so yeah, yeah a lot of good teams just just it's a tough tough draws for the North in general and I think yeah the Lions are gonna bear bear the brunt of it <laughs> like I think you're right Eric uh, so you said three, three also. All right, here we yeah. go. Uh, Packers thirteen and three. They added Blake Bortles and Devondre Campbell. They lost Corey Lindsley, Jamal Williams, and Lane Taylor. Drafting Eric Stokes, Josh Myers, and Amari Rogers. Seahawks connection cornerback Will Sunderland is uh is the is the uh is a guy that used to be the, he's on our team. The thing about the Packers is is that they don't ever sign anyone. Like you could tell by what I just said, like they sign like one guy every two years and to like a big deal. Like they're like, oh, yeah, we got to go get like a two years ago. It was um, we got to go get Zadarius Smith. And then that's it. That's the only guy they sign. And then the next year they're not signing anyone because they signed a guy last year and they used up whatever they cache they had. Because honestly, let's be honest. Does any Eric, this is my question I wrote down for you. Does anyone actually want to play in Green Bay? Like, does anyone want to live there? No, I mean, unless you are part of a winning organization. The allure of the the majesty of Green Bay. That's the only reason why someone wants to play there. It's got to be hard to convince twenty two year old like athletic dudes to be like, "Hey, yeah, come play in the in the thriving metropolis of Green Bay, Wisconsin." Yeah, like, it's I really easy want... when you have Aaron Rodgers. It's not. It's not even a major city. You know what I mean? Like that. That's a thing, though. Like they don't. No. It's like, a. It's a two hour long two hour drive from uh, from Milwaukee. Yeah, so it's. I think that's why they. I think that's why they have less free agents than most teams. Is because it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard for them to draw these these young men to to come to come hang out in the thriving metropolis of Green Bay, Wisconsin. But you know what? Maybe football will go better for them. What do you think about the Packers this year, Eric? Okay, so the Packers are interesting because of this whole Aaron Rodgers thing. This is not a bad team. Uh, they they may have Jordan Love. They may have Aaron Rodgers. They still have Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is good. Uh. Blake Blake Bortles is going to be their quarterback. I can can we have can we maybe have Love be the quarterback? Is that the guy? Do I have his name right? Jordan yes. Love. Jordan yes. Love. Yeah, I did. Though when I said it out loud, I was like, "Wait, is that right?" So this is the this is like the first thing that made Aaron Rodgers angry. This team, I think, I have to hedge my bets and I have to go. They're not going to have Rodgers, but they might. So well, let's just you can give two you can give two records if you want. I'm just gonna, gonna give have, my with if we're gonna have two, then I think there's a chance that they win this division with Aaron Rodgers, although they're not gonna run away with it. And that's all I'll say about that. Right now, thanks to early in this episode, I'm like, wow, maybe Aaron Rodgers is not going to play for the Green Bay Packers, and I have them at seven and ten. So I They still have plus players. You know, there's all that. Here's my thing about the good Green Bay Packers is that w- when I, I started to dig into them because I was like, may, I had this idea in my head, like maybe this is a pretty good football team 
minus Aaron Rodgers, like then they'll be able to like squeeze out wins the same way. I think like the Seahawks would squeeze out like six or seven wins, even without Russ, just because like the defense and the coaching staff would keep games close, you know? So I like looked into it. This defense is not really that good. They, in terms of, uh, passing, passing DVOA, they, they were, uh, passing DVOA defense. They were 15th rushing. They were 18th, uh, so that in total put them at 17th. They were right behind the Seahawks. And I don't think anyone would try to trick you into thinking the Seahawks was a great defense last year. Probably one that was average to slightly above average. This is a very average looking defense. And like I said, they don't add anyone except through the draft. So like I'm supposed to be thinking like these are the additions. Eric Stokes playing cornerback, outside cornerback. I'm uh, not really super pumped about that. So across from Jared, Jared Alexander is going to be a black hole again, just like it was last year with Kevin King. They got center. They brought in Josh Myers. Okay. That's their replacement for Ryan Lindley, who Ryan Lindley, who I think is light years better than Josh Myers could possibly be this year, at least. Right. So that's a downgrade. Um, they bring in Amari Rogers to play slot receiver. I don't, I'm not super pumped about Amari Rogers. Either. I think he's all right. He's okay, but he's not going to give you much more than Marcus Valdez Scantling would have this, this year. So um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a wash from what it was last year. It's a defense that wasn't super good. Unless a guy like Rashawn Gary really makes the leap and becomes amazing and incredible and becomes like a star, this team is going to, to be bad, especially if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play. Aaron Rodgers drugged this team last year. He had a very good season. He won the MVP. Like we all saw it, right? Aaron Rodgers was awesome last year. Uh, without him, they are not going to be good. I put the Packers at four and 13 and I, that is a full on. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wow. is coming back. He is very petty. He does not care. I think he might come back late in the season, like as like a, to, to Bernie or off his contract kind of thing. But I think they might not even take him back. They might be like, just stay home. I don't like them much at all. I don't think mm-hmm. they're very I, uh, outside of Rodgers. If they have Rodgers, Yeah. He'll grab them. He'll drag them kicking and screaming to 10 or 11 wins. They'll be a wild card team, but this is not a good team without you know, the third best course, second, third best quarterback in the league, right? Like he's very, very, very good. So yeah. Kevin, what do you think about the Packers? I think you guys covered a lot of it. Um, I have a lot of concerns about the offensive line. It's David Bakhtiari, whose health is a question. Elton Jenkins, who's moving over to center, but I think he's going to be any good anywhere you put him. Uh, Josh Myers, I think I didn't like their draft. I'll say that one right away. Me either. Yeah. Um, I thought Eric Stokes was picked way higher than I would have wanted to. I thought Josh Myers was picked way higher than I would have wanted to. Um, and then, Eric like, Stokes, didn't that Eric Stokes pick feel like a panic pick to you where they were like, we need to get a cornerback because, because we don't have a guy across from Jair. This is the best cornerback on our board. Yeah. I think it did a lot to validate what Aaron Rodgers said about their GM, which is that he doesn't actually have a plan. And I kind of said this last season and I'm going to kind of double down on it, which is I feel like, it's one of those, they're constantly trying to patch the same hole instead of making a roster. They're just like patching a hole. So they lost Lindsley. They drafted a center. Um, you know, they, uh, knew they needed a corner. So they had to draft a corner. They, you know, it's they're there. It just doesn't feel like it's a cohesive roster building exercise. I think Amari Rogers was a really nice pick for Matt LaFleur's offense. I think he's schematically a good fit for what they want to do, but like, Devonte Adams, Robert Tanyan, and then like the combination of Valdez Cantling, Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers, and Jay Sternberger. I mean, how excited does that make you? How excited does that make anybody? They brought back Aaron Jones, which okay, Aaron Jones is good, but then why'd you draft AJ Dillon in the second round last season? 
Correct. That they they make like the, the the thing is is every time you think they have a plan, then they they feel like they have to re-sign everyone because they can't get any free agents. Like yeah, they box. They are they're totally boxed into a corner and they're fully reliant on Aaron Rodgers being great. Like that's and just, so one hundred percent. If Aaron Rodgers plays, I have them at ten and seven. I feel like that because uh, you're and so you made worse. your project you made your projection with. Aaron Rodgers plays every game. You think he's going to play every game? I think he, I, I would get a normal Aaron Rodgers season, yes. Because I also think that he was kind of, he was Superman Aaron Rodgers last year. I don't necessarily think he's going to be that again this year. Okay, let's do all do percent chances. Percent chance. Okay, so, so it'll be Aaron Rodgers is back. Aaron Rodgers is not back. Okay. So, like, you know, you could say 50 50, 50 back, 50 not back. Uh, what do you think? Kevin, I'll start with you. What percentage back versus not back for you for Aaron Rodgers? Well, I mean, it's 50 50. Either he will be or he won't be. Okay, now now you made your joke. What what is what, what do you actually think? Uh, I'd put it probably 60-40 back. Okay. I'm leaning a little bit more towards back just because um, he might want to go like kind of show out and then you know get a get get his uh, move somewhere else next offseason kind of thing. All right. Eric, how about you? What do you think? I'm all doom and gloom because you know why not root against the Packers? I think it's a 30-70 chance that he's back. I'm gonna go even a little. I'm gonna go even a little farther, Eric. I'm gonna go twenty eighty. I just don't think that he wants to come back, and I don't think he needs to. And Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy who's fine just staying home and just going on Pat McAfee show every week and doing a couple episodes of Jeopardy. And like he doesn't care. He just does not care. It's not. It's not that important to him. Like he's he's fine with just walking away and coming back next year, right? And good for him, so I guess. If that and I'm fine with that. Like. The thing is, if he gets traded to the Broncos, okay, this will be the second time a like generationally like awesome quarterback just fell into Denver's lap and put them on the path for a Super Bowl, which is that, that's Elway's entire plan is just wait around for a generational legend quarterback to fall out due to something <laughs> catastrophic, and then you can win a Super Bowl. That's, it's I pretty mean, good. I mean, <laughs> he'd be two for two. Good, yeah. good job by you. I mean, way to way to go there. Russ is uh, next. Man, so funny. So I so, hate you so much for saying <laughs> you you put it in my head. What do you want? Oh. All right. The last team, the Minnesota Chicago's Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings uh added or it was seven to nine last year. They added Dalvin Tomlinson, Xavier Woods, Patrick Peterson, Mackenzie Alexander, Bashad Breland. They lost Anthony Harris and Eric Wilson. They drafted Kristen Derrishaw, Chaz Surratt, and Patrick Jones, number two. Seahawks connection, Sheldon Richardson will be playing defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings next year. Kevin, what do you think about the Vikings? So, uh, you know how I said I felt like the Packers uh, didn't have any direction or cohesion to their offseason moves? Mm -hmm. Um, Exact opposite about Minnesota. Minnesota has done something interesting the last couple of seasons where they're going like, okay, our offense and defense are on different age projections, and that's a problem. So let's go ahead and like start turning over our secondary, and they did that with corner, and they drafted Jeff Gladney, who now is having some legal trouble, but then they also got Cameron Dantzler, who worked out a lot better. And so you had these two interesting younger players. And then this offseason, they said, okay, we need at least one good corner. So we're going to go out and sign all the corners. And we'll, we'll sign three, and, and two of these guys will be able to play football. Yeah, like, exactly. Maybe, maybe just one. Who cares? And they're like, okay, we have one really good safety in Harrison Smith. So we just need like a dude who's like really solid. So we, they went and got Xavier Woods who's really solid. Um, they're like, okay, we got, uh, you know, we, so we'll let Lavelle Joseph go. So we'll just get the next defensive tackle from the giants that they can't afford to keep check. Dude, 
I think that Dalvin Tomlinson, Tomlinson signing is low key really big for this. It's a team. really good one. That's because what they did with Linval Joseph, is, and that worked well too. He is a one man run defense, and last year they were 30th in the league against the run. Yep. Uh, and so and they get big boy Michael Pierce back too. That's a lot of beef in the middle. So now they have this, yeah, they have this run defense that is just going to be way better. And that's going to, when teams can run on you, it, it's really hard for football teams. Cause I know we like to make fun of like how much Pete likes to run and stuff, but if people are running well against you, it's really hard to, to stop a team because they can just pick up five yards every time, you know, and she, there's nothing you can do about it. So I, and picking up those guys to stop the run, man, I love it. Anyway, yeah. conti- continue. Uh, well, and don't look now, but. Minnesota has two competent NFL tackles, most likely. <gasps> yeah. Christian Derisaw, man. That's a great pick. That was a great pick on a trade back. Ezra Cleveland, I think, showed that he can handle some work. Garrett Bradbury is still a big question mark, but I thought Wyatt Davis was a really good pickup. And they basically traded back in the draft to be able to draft Christian Derisaw and Wyatt Davis and kind of sure up the middle of the off or sure up the offensive line. Um, Justin Jefferson came in, gave him a cheap option that is not yet disappointed in the, his usage after they had to trade away Diggs. Um, Jefferson and Thielen is a really good combo. I think Amir Smith-Marset is the kind of role player that you can put in an offense like this, and it does some work. So I like his pickup. I think Irv Smith showed that he was ready to take over the tight end position. So the offense, if anything, might take a slight step forward with Jefferson in year two and the offensive line improved. The defense should be better. Um, they should get Daniel Hunter back, which gives them a legit pass rusher. The secondary should be improved. And Dalvin Tomlinson, you mentioned what he brings in the run game, but I also think he is a solid pass rushing interior guy. He's definitely a run first defender, but he's not a nothing at D tackle as far as pressuring the quarterback goes. They don't they don't need him to pressure the quarterback though. They have Sheldon Richardson. Exactly. Like they, they they don't need him to do that. And if he can just focus on being a specialist like that, he's gonna Yeah, you're right. He won't embarrass himself if they throw on first down. But right. he's he's like a one man run defense. He will just soak guys up. Exactly. So he's a he's an he's an every down tackle if you need him to be, but they have the depth that they don't even really need him to be. So I think the defense should take a step forward. The offense was interesting last year, and if anything, should be a little bit better. I have them at twelve and five. I think they're a good team. Yeah, I I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, I was hoping I would be on a corner here, like by myself, because I really like what they did this off season. They were their defense wasn't that bad last year. They got a lot, like a lot of bad. Rap. I apologize were, for all of my competent analysis. I will try not to do it in the future. To get- <laughs> they were eighteenth, eighteenth in defense last year, which I think is fine. And they were eighth on offense. And so, like, if that defense takes a step forward, like it could be, they have. One, their best defensive players coming back, Daniel Hunter. They added a bunch of players who are useful, and then they they shored up their secondary, which was a weakness. Like this is a team that the sky is the limit. This is a Super Bowl contender to me. Yeah, um, this team's definitely for, good enough to get Cousins in the playoffs to choke. I, I except for I have them mm. as the three seed, and as I said before, the three seed has not made. <laughs> made oh, callback since two thousand and seven. All right, uh, I have met eleven and six, undefeated in the division, though just dominating Ooh. the North. All right, Eric, what do you like? What do you like here? Uh, there's nothing that needs to be said about this other than to point out the the thing that's always the fact with the Minnesota Vikings, and they just have one big problem, and that's a Kirk Cousins problem. They've done enough for Kirk to show, hey, it's it's time to poop or get off the pot with Kirk Cousins. I have this team at twelve and five. Pulling a little from both of you, I will say that they are the weakest of the division you, winners, and they, think, they will choke in the playoffs. Do you think Kirk Cousins more 
he 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 kind of solidifies their ceiling, right? Like they they can only be so good with Kirk Cousins yeah, as their quarterback. That's a fact. He's and, in that Matt Ryan quality of quarterbacks, and we but know what I, happened. Matt Matt Ryan will will be on fire, and then he'll be on garbage. And Kirk Cousins is always trending towards fine. So, uh, you know, as a person who's had to watch him on a few of my fantasy teams in recent memory, this guy is the classic '80s quarterback that you know just kind of floated teams by with you know runs touchdowns, runs play action on every single play. Yeah, two touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, three touchdowns, one interception, one interception, one touchdown, three interceptions. That's a three-game mark for Kirk. So he's the kind of quarterback that Trent Dilfer would say is the greatest quarterback in a franchise's history. He's one of Dilfer's dimes. At one point in time, Kirk Cousins had the highest. Uh, completion percentage single season of anybody in history it's like he and doesn't it, have any confidence with the vikings it's like it's been taken it's, away it is weird like he just doesn't um he had it with washington it, so it he seemed, doesn't like that it just doesn't seem like he has ever been able to really unleash it unleash it all the way you're right like he's for 4200 yards in a season seems to be about the cap for for cousins and it's like i don't know why i don't know why he can't why can't Kirk cousins get a 5000 yard season because i think it's a mike zimmer makes, problem he makes the throws, you know, and, and I don't know. He needs to believe sure. in his heart more. He needs, some, <laughs> he needs some Earl Thomas in him. Art Yards. All right. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so is over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and for only 12s.com, uh, puntub.us, any of those websites. Uh, for as little as $1.24 a month, you get access to some of our bonus content, including once the season starts, our weekly picks podcast. I think the most fun you can have in a podcast. All right. Thank you, Andy Brett. Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Flocktimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike and Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. All right, uh, this week's movie club. We're doing three movies uh, because this week Old comes out for M. Night Shyamalan. So we thought we'd cover M. Night Shyamalan's uh, big trilogy. And we're going to start off with you, Eric. Eric, you're going to cover his the first film in the trilogy, Unbreakable. So just give us a short plot summary and then kind of what you, what you like about the movie. Okay, Unbreakable was M. Night's follow-up to The Sixth Sense. This was when, <laughs> after The Sixth Sense, everyone was like, ooh, what's the twist to the next one? Um, there there was a twist in this movie. Unbreakable follows the story of uh, Bruce Willis, who is uh, thinking about cheating on his wife, and he's involved in a, <laughs> in a large train accident, and you find out that he is the sole survivor, and that's crazy. Uh as this tale goes on, you know, he, he finds more love for his family and for his son. This brush with death, he doesn't realize. Guess what, guys? He is unbreakable. He's He's got, like, this, this hard shell. He can't be hurt. Uh, it, he starts to, because of his son, is, you know, teaching him about uh, comic books that, you know, he could use his powers. He's kind of convincing him, hey, you have powers. You should use this for good. Um he meets He's bringing uh, back memories from yeah. a, an, a car accident of his ute. Yes, where he ripped a door off. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, that's because he's got super strength, I suppose. They didn't really exactly explain that. Yeah, they they, they do have like that weightlifting stuff that he does. And he's yeah, and strongest. It's, yeah, and it's got a, you know, he he's befriended by Samuel L. Jackson, who is a, a man who is just extremely brittle, uh, brittle boned. Get it? It's like a mirror image. This You can see this thing coming a mile away. And he see, starts teaching him about, you know, superpowers. It wasn't his son. I kind of forgot that for a second. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, you find out he has a weakness. 
you it kind of gives you that uh, what a superhero would be like in real life sort of thing where, you know, he doesn't really know what he's doing. And also he figures out like Glass has been kind of stalking him a little bit. And but like Glass isn't exactly dodgy about that fact. It's just one of those odd things. He seems like an eccentric rich guy who has taken an interest in him. Who kind of dresses like a weirdo prince. Um you know, very conspicuous. Uh, they're uh, saying weirdo and prince is redundant. And so, how dare you? Uh, and just after we went through the Minnesota Vikings too, Kevin. So yeah, <laughs> this. But it's uh, the the twist. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it because it's 20 years old. Is you find out that uh, Mr. Glass is behind all these attacks. Uh, you know, giant terrorist attacks, giant accidents that happen because. Uh, you know, he was looking for this next unbreakable god character, that including the train in history. accident. Yes, and yeah, he did do the train accident. The yeah. the worst the worst line in the whole movie to me is when you know Samuel Jackson looks at him and he goes, uh, "You know, every hero has their uh, has their villain." You can tell because the exact opposite. And the whole movie, you're like, "Yeah, I get it," because you keep showing Samuel Jackson in a mirror and vice versa. I, do, I like knows, I like those shots. I wish he wouldn't have just if he just wouldn't have said it. Yes, that's we, the we thing. Know. The shots we were know. fine, it, but he kept he had to like oversell it, and then he goes, "That's a, I'm Mr. Glass," and it was like, "All right, well, it it was a fine movie, but it could have been a good movie." I quite enjoy this movie. I agree. M Night Shyamalan winks at the camera way too hard, far too often, because he knows that everyone's like, he's like, "I'm the twist guy." So I'm going to wink real hard at this camera while we twist. And you're like, it's not a twist. It's just, it's, that's, we get it. There's water everywhere. That's he has good drink hand. water. He leaves cups of water everywhere. We are, we knew this was going to happen the whole time. Otherwise, why would you keep showing the cups of water? That's why we can't he's, trust him. He's a good storyteller. Like he needs to just like, like lean into the story instead of doing all the, I'll talk about this when we get to my movie. He just needs to like. Yeah, he needs to stop with the. He overdoes it. It's like, hey man, you don't need you. You, uh, you sh- show uh. it. Just keep just keep showing it. Stop stop with the telling. He does too much telling at the end. It's like it's like you don't need to explain it for the dummies. Like <laughs> you don't need the dying wife to explain the entire plot of the movie. We get it. Uh, but one thing I like about this movie is the scale. Uh, yes, so many, very intimate. So many superhero movies blow up the scale to like an absurd degree, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna have the. Soon the whole planet is at risk. And this is a superhero story where the scale is very small and and measured, you know, and it's like this is the the kind of small scale story that that we want to to tell. And I I don't know. I find that really um, enjoyable. I I really like it. So uh, I would say of these three movies, this one is uh, is is, it's good. It's they're all really close in rating to me. Uh, they're all about a three. So, so it's really hard for me to separate them, but uh, I like this movie quite a bit. I think it's really cool. And I, I do think that like all those shots that you're talking about where he's showing stuff, if, if he didn't say anything, if he just did those shots and then let stuff happen, I think it would be like perfect. It's so close. All the art gallery shots and the ones at the football stadium. Those are really cool too. It's so close to perfection. Or like when it flips over, when he's looking at the comic, like, I don't know. Yes. Those are, those shots are really, really cool to me. Um, and yeah, so there were moments. Yeah. I think that like this film works. Um, it's just, yeah. Shyamalan always overreaches. Like he just, he needs to like come bring it back a little bit. Anyway. All right. Let's go to the second movie in the series. Kevin, you got, you got split. What, what do you, what do you like about split? Cause we all enjoy all three of these movies. 
Yeah, and uh, so Split, I actually had these rated the same, but if I had to break the tie, I put Split slightly ahead. Um, if for no other reason, because I think James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy in the two uh, lead roles absolutely kill it in this movie. They are both very, very good, but in very good performances. And so um, in this movie, you have uh, a, a group of, uh, of female youths are uh, kidnapped and find themselves locked in the cell um and but it's not a saw movie so they're just locked in cells there's not like any extra random crap to go with that and they slowly discover that the person who is holding them well they slowly discover that the people that are holding them is really the person that is holding them and the person that is holding them is very mentally ill and uh, you find out as you watch the movie that James McAvoy's character, uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb, uh, is, has multiple personalities and those personalities fully manifest with each other. And one of those personalities is referred to as the Beast. And uh, all the other personalities seem to be afraid of that one. And the way that the story is told is really interesting because there's a lot of side characters that things kind of go through, like um, his uh, psychiatrist plays a role and there's a few other people. Uh, and so you have this duality of learning about uh, Crumb as a character and learning about uh, Casey, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, as a character um, while also seeing how they interact. Because you get to kind of see her thinking while she's in the jail cell. She goes through a few different strategies of dealing with being a captive, of trying to help the people that she's with. And then in the end, they're able to get the message out. And uh, they and she's broken out of this situation. Um, but when she's broken out, they figure out that she was being they were being held hostage at the zoo which is kind of this whole other weird thing where you have these wild animals and he's the beast. And so, you know, there's a lot of overdone symbolism. Does he have superpowers? Uh, I don't. So the, the whole thing is when he's in beast form, he's almost like a mythical werewolf where uh, he's he like has like crazy strength and he's indestructible. Can't, you can shoot him and he doesn't yep. die. And but he, he can like, have, like smack or people and track them by their scent. No, stuff, dude, he's, no. he gets no but when he's in beast form he looks shredded and they try to like play down how shredded he is the rest of the movie so it's like yep. it feels like a transformation which is pretty cool yeah um and he does he also like crawls on the walls and like uh can hang off of things and just do the blend of practical and stuff. special effects in this movie is really cool there's a bunch of really neat shots where they play with lighting like when he's chasing her down the um down like the maintenance hatches and stuff uh I think McAvoy does a really good job because he both physically and vocally acts um, each of the personalities very differently. And mm -hmm. so it gives you that feeling that you're interacting with a bunch of different characters, which is impressive. Like James McAvoy acts his butt off in this movie and really does a lot of great work. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Going into this movie, I had heard already that it was an uh, an unbreakable sequel. And I was like, I do not want the M. Night's, M. Night Shyamalan cinematic universe. But after this movie was over, I was like, I kind of do want the M. Night Shyamalan cinematic universe. Because once again, he tells this tight story. Um, like every, like a lot of M. Night Shyamalan movies, it's a, it's kind of a, 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 a like, 
he's musing on the idea of like uh, trauma and surviving and and grief mm-hmm. and uh, like all the the things that he's he he likes the themes that he likes to hit. But really, to be honest with you, like this this movie works for me because of uh, the the like the the way that the movie kind of explains everything that's happening and then but doesn't like force it down your throat and just like lets kind of the this tight experience. This movie is just short and lean and just really good. I I'm. I'm really impressed by this movie, uh, the the way that it goes, and it it doesn't feel like it's uh, nearly two hours long because it just it moves at a clip, and it's so good. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Split. I think it's a really good movie. It's a really fun to watch, and it, I think it leads nicely into the third movie, which uh, I will uh, talk about, which is Glass. And you guys have not seen Glass, correct? Yep, correct. All right, so you guys should watch it. And I'll, let me tell you why, because I think it's like a really a lot of people trashed this movie they did not like it they they uh bashed on it and i think it's because they expected something completely different when they came in and um the last 45 minutes of this movie are really really good the thing that sucks is you m night Shyamalan decides he's going to retell unbreakable and split in the first hour of this movie for some reason he's going to kind of give you the background by retelling those movies and it's completely unnecessary if you're going to make a trilogy just make it three movies and then and have those three movies be the three movies you know so that's like why i don't i don't understand why he did that it's but m night he's gotta screw something up well he's got to tell you it. he's got to over explain that's that's the m night Shyamalan uh way but that's I think that it's it's pretty it's pretty sweet like the movie is is better than the people give it credit for it's not great uh, but the acting in this movie, Sarah Paulson as the the psychiatrist, uh, Anya Taylor Joy is great again. Uh, Samuel Jackson is really really good in this movie. Um, Bruce Willis is collecting a paycheck. James McAvoy does a <laughs> does a good job of um of really like doing the same thing he did in Split, where he's doing the multiple personalities. Uh, M Night Shyamalan appears in the movie, and then one other thing, uh, they use the same actor as the kid from both movies. And I will just say that was probably a mistake. They should have picked someone else because that that guy was probably uh, I think he was out of his depth a little bit, even though that guy has gotten a lot of acting work. I just think it was a, a kind of a bad match. So anyway, uh, I, I actually thought it was solid, though. Solid movie glass. Uh, not bad. I really think that the the thing they're doing here, just kind of trying to sub- subvert the, uh, the superhero uh, genre is cool. And if you like M. Night Shyamalan, you should like this movie like that. People. People, I think, go into his movies expecting something different. And it's like, he is who he is. These are the stories he tells, and this is the way he tells them. And as long as you're kind of in for that, uh, you're going to have a probably a pretty good time. This, um, yeah. So anybody else want to say anything about this trilogy before we head out? Not for me. Not for you. Do you, do you, so you, do you like Unbreakable, Eric? I know you're a big superhero. I do. No, I really do. I just, it was so heavy handed that I, it, it it was the first movie that made me roll my eyes at Shyamalan. Like <laughs> you were really like, made oh, me go, man. "Man, come on! You you had one. You had another hit. You had another movie that blew my mind, or that could have, but you just kind of you overdid it." And then from there, it's been mostly miss with very little. I wouldn't even say hit. Just like you you hit the dartboard, but you didn't hit the it's, target. His his uh, his rare M Night Shyamalan's rare ability to over explain things and then make it make his movie so pretentious because of it is yeah like he some of his, signs there's there's a really good movie in signs there's tra- also signs in signs he treats his audience like they're dumb and it, it's frustrating because they're like you say there's yep. parts of those movies that are so 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 good 
All right. Uh, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.